you're good to go, sir. All right, everybody. This is episode 27 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast with your host, Brett and CH. Um, took a little bit of a break from some of the news topics, but we are back again in the middle of July. And uh, <laughs> Bitcoin has, uh, has entered mainstream consciousness again. Uh, not necessarily from the price, but more from a political, geopolitical landscape. Uh, I mean, we finally got it, right? Everybody's yeah. been waiting for the Trump tweet. It, it um, happened. It happened, finally. And, uh, you know, what do you, well, let's just jump right into this. I mean, so Trump tweets about it. All of... Um, Bitcoin, Twitter, and you know, social media goes nuts. Everybody loves it. And uh, what do you think? Did Trump get it right with that tweet? Do you think he has a good idea of what Bitcoin actually is? Do you think one of his handlers crafted it up for him? And uh, they just wanted him to get a statement out there because of Libra getting into the news. What do you think? I, you know, it's, it's like, it's a partial thing. It's yes and no. Um, you know, again, like what he tweets now and his thoughts now, I think you got to remember it's somewhat controlled because he is the president of the United States. And, you know, what he says does have a huge effect on everything. It doesn't matter. It'll destroy all algorithms, whatever he says. But like, um, like there's a great tweet, if I can find it, um, from, it's probably from 2011. And it basically Trump tweets about, what Obama, you know, the not the Obama administration, but the Fed was doing basically under the Obama administration when they were doing quantitative easing and how he was saying it's good in the short term as basically like, you know, a heroin user, but in the long term, it's going to ruin. And he was saying it would literally ruin, you know, the younger generations. And he was right then. Now, the reason I don't know why he doesn't talk about it now because he wants to get reelected. And so obviously right. he wants stonks to pump. So, you know, how you do that, you lower interest rates and then you start shoveling money, you know just pumping right. liquidity in the system and it finds its way to the markets. Uh, so, I, right. So he does understand based yeah. on that tweet in 2011, he clearly understands, um, you know, monetary policy well enough that lowering interest rates in the short term can be fantastic. If you were trying to catch a pump, but, uh, very detrimental in the long term. 100%. And, uh, I like, I guess we should – I'll probably just read off this tweet here so people who are listening uh, through audio can hear it. I'm just going to read Donald Trump's little three-tweet thread here. Um, and it says basically, I am not a fan of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies which are not money and whose value is highly volatile and based on thin air. Unregulated crypto assets can facilitate unlawful behavior including drug trade and other illegal activity. Similar, similarly, Facebook's Libra virtual currency – will have little standing or dependability. If Facebook and other companies want to become a bank, they must seek a new banking charter and become subject to all banking reg regulations, just like other banks, both national and international. We have only one currency in the USA and it is stronger than ever, both dependable and reliable. It is by far the most dominant currency anywhere in the world and it will always stay that way. It is called the United States dollar. Now, I think parts of that last tweet he'll obviously regret. Um, <laughs> like it is... It will, and the it will always stay that way. That's not going to happen. Um, you just look at history over the past five hundred years. The world's reserve currency has changed numerous times, um, from the franc to the British pound, which was the most recent one up until the U.S. dollar, which is basically since Bretton Woods, uh, the 1944, excuse me, the Bretton Woods Conference uh, in New Hampshire, basically set that um, so that the U.S. dollar was the global reserve currency. Um, and that's how it is now. There are other, are other reserve currencies like the pound, the euro, um, Japanese yen, Chinese yuan. The Chinese are trying to, you know, make their yuan. Guess what? Well, they've been devaluing it, but they really want it to become more of a world reserve currency. And that's why they've been trying to do more gold-backed stuff like oil-backed futures or gold-backed futures. And uh, It's definitely interesting that this tweet came out finally. Like everyone went waiting for it. And I remember seeing it like whatever time I like texted you right away about it. I was like, holy shit, did you see this? Cause it was like, it finally happened. I, I saw a screenshot of it and I had to go onto Twitter and double check. Cause you know, people like fake screenshots and whatever, but I think his first part and we can both agree on this pretty easily uh, are that unregulated crypto assets can facilitate unlawful behavior, including drug trade, other illegal activity. Um, it's a joke because 
honestly, the best thing for drug trade legal activity is cash. It is the most anonymous way. There's no way of tracking who it came from, whatever, you know. Um, and it's been clear with how we've seen banks nestle up with cartels for the past, what, 30, 40 years easily, you know. Right. So. And I think, you know, there's a lot to even go into just with these three tweets. I mean, we can rip the entire thing apart and um, kind of go at it one by one. And it's, I mean, you heard uh, Mnuchin say pretty much the same exact thing. Uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, you know, the illicit activity, it's, I get why you have to say it, right? You know, it's, that's a great way to attack it because nobody's going to really question it. But when you take a step back and really think about it, um, the majority of the illicit activity that goes on globally, um, that business is done in, in the USD. And, you know, there's tons of money laundering going on um, with the US dollar. Very rarely is Bitcoin uh, used for illicit activities. But it's just, you know, it's a great piece of FUD to throw out there. And, uh, you know, if I were the president, I'm sure I'd, I'd throw it out there as well if I had to try to defend um, <laughs> the world reserves currency status that, you know, I'm lucky enough to live on, under. Right. Yeah, we, uh, we are it, very it, lucky. Uh, you know, and the, the comment that it's, you know, based on thin air, it's another great thing to throw out there because, <laughs> I mean, on one hand, it's, it's true. But on the other hand, you know, what is the U.S. dollar backed by? pretty much thin air, the same exact thing. Um, so it's, a, a again, something great to, to throw out there to, uh, you know, scare the normies. But when you give it more than 10 th seconds worth of thought and play it back and, you know, compare that to the U.S. dollar, it's, it's just such a dumb argument. Um, but again, it's... It's funny because uh, Joe from Squawk Box said, you know, give me a half an hour with Trump and I can I can sell him on Bitcoin. I can get him to uh, to understand what it is and how it's different from everything else. And uh, yeah, if Trump wasn't the president, I'd say he would understand it perfectly. Um, but when you are the president, that kind of <laughs> that can make things a little bit more difficult. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I what, what do you what do you, what do you think that does? Do you think the tweet means anything besides? I mean, clearly it's huge, right? The sitting it's, president it's, of the United States just effing, mentioned Bitcoin. It's I mean, it's huge. Donald Trump's Twitter is everything now. For I mean, think about it. like that's. I think like whatever you look at, in America, like mainstream media like CNN, MSNBC, uh, Fox, etc. It doesn't matter if Trump tweets something; it's getting covered generally. I mean, there's it, there's no way around it. And he only has he only has sixty two point two million followers on Twitter, <laughs> right? Yeah, like yeah. A, a decent amount of the population just heard about it again, you know. Yeah. And 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 this is what we kind of talk about a lot, right? It takes how many times before you've heard about Bitcoin, oh, yeah. um, you know, realize it's not dead yet. Oh, that thing's still around, and now you've heard about it again. This time from, you know, uh, the president of the most powerful country on the planet, and. <laughs> It um, it can make you sit down and do your homework, you know. Yeah, and I like for instance, like I think the first time I heard about Bitcoin was um, I want to say early 2013. <laughs> so I heard about it, yeah, like early 2013. Didn't do anything. You know, obviously, I heard about it multiple times between then and when I really got into crypto in point like early 2017. So it's like, um, so the you know as we say, the average person it's going to take multiple times. It's kind of like being them over the head with a stick before they kind of look into it and jump down the rabbit hole of money is what the real thing is. Right. And, the, and, and it's, this is one of the reasons why I think price drives adoption is because I, I remember talking with uh, the crypto CPA about it and he was like, yeah, I remember, you know, I worked public tax accounting and in 2013 it came across my uh, director's desk, like we got to look into this. And he's like, I remember looking into it and thinking, you know, what the hell is this? And you immediately dismiss it. And how, you know, and then four years later, the price is going wild. Oh, I, I better look into this again. So, you know, the just human greed is very powerful. And, you know, the increase in price will definitely catch your eye and make you want to take that leap down the rabbit hole. So it's, it's not a surprise that it takes a few times to hear about it and watching that price steadily go up 
that holy shit, I keep checking on this thing, you know, once a year and it keeps going up. This is crazy. Yeah, as as you said a million times, price one hundred percent drives adoption here. Um, when price is going up, there's definitely more people interested versus when it's going down. Uh, and I think we should play. I can play this uh, clip from Joe and Squawkbox in about a minute and twenty seconds here, and, and everyone can hear it whether you're on YouTube or just listening to podcast. So I'm going to play it right now. I'm just surprised that a, a Republican sitting in you know on a uh, in a powerful position is making the case for really. I think you're making the case for blockchain and Bitcoin, uh, leader. Well. Look, I like I like Bitcoin. Uh, is it is it where it needs to be? No, but the real thing I like when it comes to Bitcoin is blockchain because I like the security. Uh, I, I, I want I want well, you government to actually it, start using to, Bitcoin. You need to keep blockchain. Talking. It took yeah. me a while to figure out exactly what what the the and the, the and you know what got me there when they what? when I saw what what Libra was and it's like this is the uh, this is everything that Bitcoin uh, it, it has that, that gives it value and that makes it powerful and attractive and and really generationally changing, I think, is not evident to me in, in Libra. And in fact, it's even worse because it puts yes. Mark Zuckerberg and all these these autocrats in, in charge of, of even more, uh, which is the opposite of, of what we're looking for. Look, the real concern I have with any of these tech companies is about anti-competitiveness. Does somebody else have the ability to come up? You know, the company that really should have been Amazon was Sears. They had every ability. They, they sold you from right. a house to clothing. They had a catalog. They, did, they didn't compete. They didn't go forward. Right. Can somebody else compete with Amazon? Can somebody else compete with Google? Mm -hmm. Are they Leader. being anti-competitive? That's the concern I have. Yeah, he was very correct on Libra's everything Bitcoin isn't. Right. I, so he gets it, right? Yeah, he 100% gets it. I, I actually, and that gives me like more, you know, it gives you another reason to turn on CNBC because there's someone there, you know, it's like, wow, they actually understand it and, you know, they're not going to come out and attack it blindly. Uh, and it's just one of those things, you know, and even this Congressman uh, McCarthy, Representative McCarthy, uh, Kevin McCarthy here said it perfectly, you know, he, he likes the security aspects of Bitcoin, you know, the immutability. Uh, and that's something that, you know, it's really emphasized if you, as I, I've talked about before in the podcast, um, the Internet of Money Volume 1 and 2, I don't know if the third one's out yet, but 1 and 2 are out for sure. And those are great for anyone, even if you're just brand new to any of financial topics, because um, Andreas Antonopoulos does a phenomenal job just explaining what makes Bitcoin so important and the immutability factor that just, you know, really, it's just, not. I wouldn't say impervious because nothing's impervious, but it definitely is very hard you know it, I, we tried calculating one time how much it would cost to you know take overtake 51 percent attack it's something ridiculous yeah there's a there's a calculator online i want to say from an hourly standpoint it was like 700 and some thousand an hour to even to make an attempt right i mean yeah and and so that so that number grows but it you, you can see that you know they're starting to get it a little by little right they understand things like supply cap and immutability and decentralization, right? Those are, they're throwing out these terms now as as if they understand them, whether or not they actually do is, you know, one thing or another. But uh, you can tell that they've been briefed a little bit more or they took 45 minutes to watch a couple of YouTube videos and they, they get it, right? Like as as complicated as Bitcoin is and all the different things that you need to kind of get a half decent understanding of t for Bitcoin to start to make sense to you. It doesn't take more than a few hours of watching a couple of videos to be like, okay, I can, I understand how this can, can work. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. Um, and you know, they're making a good case for it. And once you see, first of all, once you see politicians starting to profit greatly off of Bitcoin, uh, taking donations, like if you're, if you think Kevin McCarthy isn't going to get a few sats thrown his way when he's up for re-election, uh, think again. All you need to do is be a politician and talk positively about Bitcoin, and <laughs> you'll get funding, right? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, if if I'm if if Trump says in twenty twenty, uh, you know, no capital gains tax on cryptocurrency transactions. I mean, what do you? <laughs> if there's ten million. Coinbase users in America, that's 10 million votes just mm. like that. Right? I mean, and, and this is has nothing to do whether you like them or not. This is just economic incentives. Yeah. It, it, plain and simple. It's it's that's it. Yeah. 
and and I think politicians will start to wake up to that and start seeing it more as a tool, just as the internet is a tool that mm-hmm. you can choose to leverage or not leverage. Um, and you know, while Bitcoin will cause other issues for the state, all all, all versions of the state that we have today. Um, you know, you might as well start to take advantage of that now, because I think the first few countries to really get on board with accepting Bitcoin, at least from for like tax revenues, will I mean, they'll do tremendously well, especially if there is an uh, upcoming transition of reserve currency status from the U.S. dollar to something else in that transition period. It may be worthwhile to have some exposure to Bitcoin, right? If you're if you're the state here. And currencies keep inflating away. Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, like you know, we have to always keep in mind that he is running for re-election, and that is his goal. So the way he shapes things, we got to keep in mind that it's on a time frame of, you know, what eighteen? Not even now; it's fifteen months. You right. Know? I mean, that it's crazy to think that the next U.S. presidential elections, what that that only that far away, 16, 15 months. Um, and so we got to keep that in mind because that's definitely obviously plays in the – because at the end of the day, like Trump's like a chess player. That's all he's playing and that's his goal right. and that's what he's doing. And I don't mean to step into politics, but that's what he's been doing with, you know, against the whole Democratic Party. And it's watching that. I'm going to briefly just leave it. It's a shit show watching the Democratic Party try to even keep up with his Twitter. Like it's hilarious and they just don't realize that he's just, you know, watching them eat themselves alive. You know, he's a master troll. I mean, he really is. He's like good at it. Yeah, I mean. he's the like high level troll. Like, <laughs> dude, I always think, and I know this is a while ago, but there's that that dude who CNN docs. Like, it was three years ago or two years ago now, uh, when they CNN docs that dude who made that video of like the the Trump WWE thing, <laughs> where Trump like takes him down. And that was yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the oh whole of God. the internet attacked CNN, and it just completely failed. Like the dark side of the internet came out of nowhere and destroyed. And you can see, like, on CNN, <laughs> social media feeds are getting destroyed. Um, and, it, and that's the beauty of the internet again. Like, it, it's that two right. way. It's that two way street. It's no you know longer what? one right. way coming out of the. You know, and this isn't 1980 where it's coming directly from the TV or the newspaper. You can't say something back. You have Twitter. You have Facebook. You have Instagram. There's obviously other social media platforms. I'm just listing the big ones that allow users to send it right back at them. Um, no, and I think that's important because and, – and this plays into the investment theses of Bitcoin. Um, because of the internet, it is a technology that empowers the individual, right? So like you can have people now looking at that and ca- call bullshit instantly, right? And and people can find this information. They can find memes, right, things that give you that – light bulb moment or the jolt that goes off where you can like understand an idea instantly. And, uh, it, you know, as, uh, 1984-esque as the internet can be with having everything you're doing tracked, um, it is ultimately empowering to the individual and, and so is Bitcoin, right? So you say, oh, you know, Bitcoin can, um, it's very useful for illicit activities. Yeah, because it's a useful fucking tool, right? But like everybody gets to use it. And now, you can you can make a donations to WikiLeaks if you want to, and that's like nobody's going to stop you, right? PayPal can. They'll say, nope, sorry, you can't do that. But I mean, this is Bitcoin we're talking about, and that is deep down the fundamental difference. You can make payments that they don't want you to make. Period. That's it. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're. You're outside of the global financial system, which is currently, as um, I mean, I might mention some recent podcast. Basically, every well, international or national transfer, but international transfers, for instance, if someone was sending a perfect example, is money from Brazil to India. That money goes; it doesn't go from Brazil to India. It goes Brazil to the New York Fed, where it gets processed through there, and then it's sent to India. And that's like ninety-five percent of international transactions under SWIFT. Uh, and so it's just, and also the international transaction system is slow as molasses. Um, anyone who's used it knows it's slow. I mean, is there even same day transfers? I don't think there is for international. I think it's like three days is like the best you can get right now. Right. I haven't, I mean, I haven't used it recently in the past year, but like shit. 
Yeah. I mean, and when you think, when you're thinking about, you know, and, and Powell had kind of Federal Reserve, uh, Chairman Powell had said, you know, Bitcoin's pretty much like a speculative store of value, right? Which is, that's a powerful statement and very accurate from the chairman of the Federal Reserve to make, right? Um, and I'm a little bit surprised that he made it, but you can see that narrative making more sense. People are thinking about Bitcoin as a store of value. So when you're talking about settlement times and somebody throws at you, oh, you know, Bitcoin's super slow, it takes 10 minutes, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're comparing equivalent settlement times between gold and Bitcoin, for Bitcoin, you're talking 10 minutes. For gold, uh, how long does it take to get your gold back if you're trying to repatriate your gold, right? Is that the right term I'm using? Yeah, repatriate. Okay, right. What's the, what's, yeah. what's the settlement time? Uh, it, years, if anything, and it costs millions of dollars, right? I mean, that's the reality of moving gold it's from one place to. It's <laughs> like, so, it's very heavy. So like when you're talking about final settlement of a sound money, when you're comparing it to gold, it, it there isn't really a comparison, right? That's what differentiates Bitcoin from gold. And that, that's okay. Each one has their pros and cons. But when you're, when you're hearing things uh, like settlement times for Bitcoin, that it's too slow, well, think about what you're actually comparing it to. And then you can say, oh, this is a leaps and bounds. This is this is better in comparison to that. And uh, it's just interesting seeing Powell kind of correctly state that. So now you have, and that was in the same day, right? Powell said this and Trump tweeted about it in the same day, mm-hmm. which, you know, lots if, of eyes. If this is 2017, this is like fantasy land that so you'd say the, cha- the, the, the chairman of the Federal Reserve and the president would tweet about Bitcoin in the same day. You'd been like, yeah, the, no fucking way. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty incredible that we're now. I mean, it is 2019 now, and it's definitely it's everything's different. Um, A lot of time has gone by. If you're if you're here from 2017, like you've really made it a long time. It doesn't a lot seem of like time, it, but it's like, holy by. shit. <laughs> like a lot of time. And what think about what you lived through yeah. from 20k down to six, right down to three, <laughs> then to four. And then all of a sudden you're halfway through. It's the summer 2019, uh, and it's it's all over mainstream again, and the price is back above ten thousand. Like, all, and we 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 kind of talked about this in the months prior before Bitcoin started to move a little bit. Like, it kind of takes you by surprise. You never yeah. know, and it it certainly did. And it's funny because I feel like when we were at that five k mark, and I was like. Oh, you know, we're probably due for a pullback here. There's no way we're going to, you know, yeah, like keep going. And then you're at 13K. <laughs> well, I remember like it, it's, it's like it was April Fool's Day basically when it shot up. On yeah, the right April after. Fool's Day, April 1st. Yeah, right. it just shot up to whatever, um, like basically 5K. We meandered in 5K for a while um, in basically April, right into May. And then it slowly started to march. And then it really started to march. We're like, wow, 8K. And then after we're like, okay, well, it barely it hit nine thousand. It's like, okay, it's coming back, come back. And then it just marched again. Um, will it march again? I don't know. But um, if you just watch this, it Bitcoin starts to move and it just it's impervious and doesn't give a fuck. There, it's not like you know your traditional other markets where there's you know um, circuit breakers, other things, you know, controls, you know, uh, limited hours. It's open twenty four seven and it's just moving and doesn't give a fuck. And I don't mean to use part of my French, but that's what it happens. Like it just starts marching. Right. The honey badger don't care. Exactly. And, um, the honey badger does what the honey badger does. And I was, I was like trying to tell a coworker when it started moving, it went to like 6,000. He's like, Oh man, this thing's pretty volatile. And I was like, dude, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> like when you're, when you're full blown bull market, it, you know, it, it, it just moves parabolically and then it crashes and you never know if that was the top or not. It just, it keeps going that way. And I was like, you need to really buckle up because the numbers could get larger this time around and everybody's going to have to get used to like thousands of dollars worth of swings in a, in shorter periods of time. Uh, yeah, it gets nuts. Yeah, and um, I was just going to mention from that article, there's, there's a tweet, but it's a quote um, from Zero Hedge. Powell, 
and this is federal, or excuse me, Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, don't assume USD status as reserve currency permanent. And he's 100% right in that. Um, and I just, I pulled up this little picture here. This is a good little chart to show you global reserve currency since 1450 and just list, um, you know, Portugal, 80 years from 1450 to 1530, Spain, 110 years, 1530 to 1640. You have the Netherlands from, uh, 1640 to 1720, which is 80 years. France, 95 years, 1720 to 1815. Britain, 105 years. And the, the pound was as good as gold up until World War One. It was, you could change. <laughs> no, it really was. It was, it right. was, it but was. That's the thing. It was as good as gold, right? Yeah. Um, and that was from 1815 to 1920. And really what ended that was, you know, obviously World War One took a huge hamper into the, the British Empire. And then you know, subsequent, you know, even though you had the Roaring Twenties, you had the Great Depression, and then World War II pretty much annihilated what was left of that empire. Um, and now you have the U.S. dollar, which is, you know, you can say technically the Bretton Woods Conference, but it's really that period after World War One when the U.S. dollar really, you know, took a stronghold. And obviously the U.S. killed it during the uh, Roaring Twenties. Um, obviously that didn't end that well. Um <laughs> Yeah, of course. And we went down a very dark path into World War II. And that's, that's what scares me because, you know, you, you put these, you tie these economic good times and then these bad, these really, really severe bad times. And these severe bad times lead to generally bad instance. Um, and as we've talked about before in this podcast, it really takes people to really push to their ends means to get, you know, the very, very far left dictators and very, very far right dictators um, and I, and I, I mentioned before in previous podcasts, I'm reading um, a book right now, and it, it basically covers, and I'm blanking on the name of it right now, uh, When Money Dies by uh, Adam Smith. I always forget his name. I always want to say Martin, Martin Rothbard. It's not. I think it's Adam Smith, When Money Dies. Um, and, you know, I've been reading a lot about you know, the World War One period into the transitional years between World War One and World War Two, And a lot of people don't realize, like, the severe economic stress that Germany, Austria, Hungary – and even Czechoslovakia went through in that period post World War One, where it was through basically the Treaty of Versailles and a bunch of other treaties, it was their fault completely for the war and everything. And they had these insane reparations to pay back. Just the amount of money they pay back was. And it, I'll put it this way: Germany didn't finish paying off its World War One reparations until 2011. Um, and you can I'll let that sink in. Nearly a hundred years. Yeah. 90 years roughly, 91, 92 years. It's absolutely insane. That's how much money it was. It was an incredible amount. Um, and so what, what did uh, Rudy Havenstein, the, uh, was the leader of the Reichsbank, which is the German bank, up, uh, you know, who was, I think, from early 1900s up until 1923, 24, it led to hyperinflation. They went to severe time. This is where you had the very far right people like Hitler and his rising of the National Social Party. And then you also had the very far left and the communists in Germany. And this led to a huge clash and lots of death. You also at the same time had the British, the French, and the Americans. The Americans pulled out pretty early, but the French and the British stayed in Germany well into 1923 and 24. And like the French occupied the Ruhr and the Rhineland, which is Western Germany uh, that borders France. And it was very bad and harsh. There's hundreds of people died, if not more. Um, obviously lots were injured. And you know, over time period, it might have been thousands. I don't know exact number. But long story short, Germany fucking ate shit for a long time. And when people ask, how did how did Hitler get elected? How why were why were the German people so angry at all these other countries and you know taking it out on the people? It, that's this is why you know they were put through such a terrible time period, such economic stress, you know, etc. For you know years after World War One, that it just you know, and then obviously it led to what became the Nazi Party. And that's, that is what is scary about the issues of when you ruin people's economic hope or just chance of living a decent life, really. Right. And I think this is ultimately, you know, one of the reasons why Bitcoin is so important. Um, you know, you, you know, war is, war is scary, right? And I, I hope that in a world where Bitcoin is money, <clears throat> you'll end up really thinking twice about spending Bitcoin, you know, to fund that type of activity, right? You know, Bitcoin changes the equation because the cost of violence goes up 
for the attacker. So if you want to take my wealth and I've, let's say, split it into a three of five multi-sig and it's difficult to get to, um, you know, it's more expensive to come after me rather than just, you know, beat me, take my cash or gold or, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm hoping that that trend continues where, you know, in a world where Bitcoin is money, you're not going to spend it on stupid shit. Meaningly like, you know, you know, wars for no reason. Like how long have we been in Afghanistan? I know we've talked about that a million times, but like <laughs> you can only do that because you can just print the money to pay for stuff to get done, but you can't do that forever. And that's where I think Bitcoin changes that scenario slightly where you're not going to just keep funding stuff for no reason. Yeah. No, as we talked about um, before, like, like on a gold standard, that doesn't happen either. Yeah. Right? Well, and you would never do that. A lot you, of countries, you're not going <laughs> to a lot of countries delinked from gold. And like, for instance, the German empire at the time, World War one, uh, referring to World War one, cause that's when the gold got delinked from a lot of countries. German Empire decided we're just going to print money and not raise taxes on the people. Um, the same was for, um, I think Britain imposed some pretty heavy income taxes and whatever on their people. But, you know, it's obviously felt and it's, it's if you can't well, print the money, you either A, have to go get the resources by invading countries and getting lucky and getting whatever oil, other raw materials, you know, taking gold, uh, et cetera. You know, from those countries, like I was, you know, I've been, as I said, I follow history and whatever. And I think in World War, well, I think in World War II, basically, when the Germans in 1940 were invading uh, the Netherlands and also Belgium, like Belgium put all its gold on a boat and fucking moved it over to Britain, like right before the Germans took it. You know, because that's their national wealth right there. That's their hard asset. Their paper money's worthless, but this gold shining rock is very valuable. Um, so it's just interesting to see, you know, how that works out. I always always talk about Nazi gold and everybody like gold was very important. It's, you know, real value, you know, comparatively to the paper dollars that were being printed off. Right. And it, it's just not it's like that's not difficult to understand. Right. So when you put somebody in a situation who's never questioned money as much and, you know, well, what do you mean the government doesn't have to be the one that makes the money that I use? Like it sounds foreign to them that something like a, a, a market good, a commodity good would be money, right? As gold was for 5,000 years. It's, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, 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 it's <laughs> I don't know. I mean, now maybe I just think about it too much. Like it's just getting too obvious now. It's like we should kind of straight away. We went down a weird path for a hundred years, right. Of this funny money type stuff. So it's no question that it's starting to unravel. And it's happened before in history. The Roman empire and, and, is the, the best, the best example with the uh, denarius, which is a silver coin they had and the aurarius, which is a gold coin. Um, you know, emperor after emperor for years kept clipping their coins by clipping what they meant was taking the gold and silver content out of them. And the denarius got to the point where since silver wears more easily than gold, um, and that's why gold's more valuable because gold's more, um, what's the correct term? Durable, durable, I guess would be the correct term. Yeah. 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 Durable. Um, silver. So basically we had silver was coated on the outside, but then the inside was copper. So just the, the denarius after obviously lots of use, you know, rubbing against other coins, other materials lost its silver to the point where it's just copper. Um, and, th and that just showed you, and then that the whole of the Western, uh, Roman Empire collapsed, and so I don't know what year it collapsed in the close to what a thousand, something like that, eight, somewhere in the 800 AD area. I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but the Eastern Roman Empire, which kept itself, um, maintained itself, was able to prolong into about a thousand AD and then collapse because of again monetary issues. And in the short term, it works, but in the long term, you end up hurting yourself. And that's what's scary right now. We're still cruising along, nothing, there hasn't been a giant black swan event. But what scares me here again, and like I'll just um, pull up an S&P chart, just kind of like, yeah, sure, the S&P set a record at what hit 3,000. But the, and the reality is, is like, great. But, you know, we haven't had um, capitulation. And as there's gonna, there has to be capitulation. We haven't had it yet. Uh, there, and, you know, so what is capitulation now? And like... And in, for instance, in like 2008, when the financial crisis happened, 
people lost their net worth. Like I think my grandpa like lost half his like portfolio in less than a year. Like just got chopped in half. And now you got to think, and we've talked about this before, there's a whole generation of boomers that are retiring that, you know, might be very comfortably retiring now because their investments are doing well. But what's the outlook look like in July of 2020? What if, what if you know, say they own, let's say they, um, let's say they own Amazon. Amazon's at somewhere around $2,000 right now. I don't know the exact amount. Um, what happens when Amazon's a $600 share company, a $500 share company, you know? It has a long way to go to find any base. All these stocks are parabolic. It doesn't last forever. Sure, they can keep going, but it, I'm just saying it's, you know, it's it's a matter of time, um, and you can only prolong things for so long. Yeah, and I think that's very interesting when you consider, you know, somebody like Powell saying Bitcoin's a speculative store of value. And um, if I'm you know, Gary getting ready to retire in the next five years, you know, maybe I'm a little worried right now where everything is, uh, in this current landscape, but, um, things start going one way or another, you know, people start to look to those safe haven assets. And I think whether people like it or not, uh, Bitcoin is becoming one and that's starting to leak into the thoughts of you know a few people who might make decent moves within the next 12 months to 24 months right they're gonna you know your average person making six figures uh high net worth individuals might start putting tiny percentages of their net worth into bitcoin just with the way things are looking right now um and i i don't think that should be overlooked because people are not stupid and they will deploy their capital to um, <laughs> make it grow or protect it one way or the other. They're not going to just sit there and do nothing. You can even see like a, a decent percentage of the, like the Chinese investment into the, into real estate in metropolitan areas in the U S has decreased significantly. I thought I just saw that the other day. I mean, you know, where do you think they're deploying that? They're they're It's not sitting in cash, right? I mean, it's going to go somewhere. Yeah, and as we said before, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, you know, um, there's a great, I watched a video a while ago, of course, YouTube, um, and it talks about how money is, wealth is never destroyed, it's merely transferred. So it, it doesn't, you know, wealth doesn't disappear, it just gets transferred somewhere else. You know, in 2008, 2009 case, it was transferred to people, you know, people who were on the, you know, short side or other things. And it's it, it just the same thing. They're, it doesn't disappear. It just goes somewhere else. That's all, you know. Um, it's, it's as simple as the trading analogy. If you lose on a, you know, and especially like for instance, options trading, you lose on a trade, someone else made money. And but in trading in general, it's the same exact thing. Right. Totally. Totally. I mean, I don't know. There was one, uh, one little thing I wanted to cover with. Uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin was going over when he was um, giving commentary. He, you know, of course, made the, you know, Bitcoin illicit activity um, FUD pretty much, uh, but gave the green light for speculation. You know, he didn't really have any issues with that, which I thought was um, a good thing. So on the one hand, he's obviously pro KYC AML and doesn't want uh, cryptocurrencies being used for illicit activity. Okay. You know, makes sense. But on the other hand has no issues with the speculation of it, which is, which is perfect. Cause that's where we are in the cycle, right? Um, Bitcoin is at the state where it's still so small that is, it is simply being speculated on. Um, and that's necessary for however long that it takes right? For that volatility to decrease and it to be used for other things than speculation. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, you know, as we've said before, like the U.S. dollars, as I mentioned it earlier, the U.S. dollars is stable. It, nothing really is stable. Now it can be sure. more stable in the terms of a harder asset, gold, silver, Bitcoin, even freaking oil. Um, you know, something that has quantity, you know, obviously oil is a perfect thing, but 
you know, it has some in the back, like oil is useful in the world, plastics, engines, automobiles, except you name it, oil is used everywhere. Um, and I always think it's funny when people say, oh, we're going to go 100% green by 2020, whatever, five. It's like the whole world still uses oil, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, people in Southeast Asia aren't going to be changing to electric cars tomorrow, my friends. They won't be doing it in probably five years. They won't be doing it in 10 years, <laughs> you know? Um, right. And it's just like, for an instance, the perfect example is electric cars are subsidized in the U.S. If they weren't, it wouldn't sell as much. You know, if you subsidized, you know, uh, petrol fuel cars, it would be a whole nother, you know, and then why would you, you know, so it's one of those things where, again, government intervention causes, you know, gives an economic incentive to buy. It. Right, right, right. And I think, yeah, it just makes me so bullish for all this nonsense to start being cleaned up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. Whenever it happens, it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just. It's just like, I'm like worried. It's going to be like a black swan event. We're like, I'm going to wake up one day and like, oh, we're down 20% in the S&P. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, as, as, as much as I'm expecting that, I think it's, everybody's just going to have to deal with it and get yeah. through it. And, you know, it, 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 I don't know. The pessimist in me thinks it will end up being worse than 2008, but the optimist in me sees, um, that, it might be the end of the um, the cutting of interest rates to then save the economy, right? Because we yeah. don't really we don't really know if two thousand okay. Put it another way, two thousand eight would have went a different way had the banks not been bailed out, right? It could it would have gotten worse, mm -hmm. and then it would be it would be it'd still be twenty nineteen today, right? Who knows how fantastic life would be? Maybe we would have moved on to some sort of sound money standard in that interim and everything would be fine right now. And we'd be, it would be like nothing ever happened. We'd be making progress again. Um, mm. but they didn't let the system collapse last time. So this time I think it will be worse because there's a higher probability of letting the system collapse and then reset, you know, paranoid bull always talks about like that global reset. Right. Yeah. Um, like, it, you know, maybe this time I think the op, the the good news is I think there's a better way out after kind of the that reset. You know, we have something else to move to, assuming everything is ready to be <laughs> put in place during that time, which could cause for bumpiness. Yeah, and like, it'd be very interesting to see if, um, oh, wow. If interest rates, you know, if poly, you know, it'd be really crazy if policy fuck it, we're raising interest rates to like, like <laughs> yeah, just that would fuck be, it. That would be that would be fantastic. It's like it's time, bitches, and just does it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, interest rates came back down, or at least I'm looking at the ten-year yield um, note from the CBOE, whatever, and we we went pretty high up towards the end of or end of 2018. Obviously, came back down uh, to whatever it is two. 2%, 2 percent, two point four eight or whatever, two point five. But um, it'll be interesting to see if we really do. Uh, maybe that's two percent. Excuse me, that's two, two point five or twenty five. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, if we do start to see higher interest rates, and I think it's inevitable. I think you don't suppress it for so long. You know, it's it's become a joke throughout majority of the world. Like, thankfully, in the U.S., we still have positive. And I, I I'm gonna say positive. I'm doing air quotation marks. Because the you know what what is the you know how real is our inflation? Our inflation really is like six to twelve percent. Right. It's, it's so pretty nothing, much, yeah, yeah, nothing sure. really right now. Um, since they changed it's the positive. CPI, yeah, nothing really is positive right now. But according to official calculations, at least we are positive. Um, I couldn't imagine living in a country like if you if I lived in a country like I don't know, let's say Germany, because I know Germany has negative interest rates, or Japan. If I lived in Germany and like there were negative interest rates. I would hold everything in cash in a safe. Or a lockbox. I wouldn't put it in the bank. Your 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 money is literally getting like taken away from you. It's the stupidest thing ever. And you could say it's safer. But why wouldn't you just go get a lockbox and pay for a lockbox? You know, save, or, especially if you have lots of money, save yeah, a lot or, of time. Right. Or pump equities. Right. Yeah, a lot of people exactly. will do pump equity. Well, well that's exactly we'll do, what it does. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Y yield chasing is what it happens, and that's what it's it's forced people who weren't normally heavily in equities. To be heavy, like pensions, for example, are just so heavy in equities because there's nowhere to find yields. You can't get yield out of bonds. You're not getting five, six percent per you know a year. And what people forget about, like with bonds, is that five to six percent is a compounding. When you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, that's a lot of money that compounds. Um, 
you know, and when you're getting nothing, it's not worth it. And that's why you get everyone so loaded up in equities. But, you know, when equities go down, it's going to be painful. It's going to be very painful because there's a lot of as it, pensions, endowments, you name it, that need to get out, that need to exit. And the problem is right. they're going to wait and they're going to they're just going to wait and they're going to sell probably the bottom, you know, or yeah. sell close to the bottom. Like, you know. Yeah, it's it's going to be a mess. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we've been talking about this for so long and it's like, you know, you're starting to watch it play out a little bit more. Um, yeah. uh, who knows? It, everything takes longer than I think <laughs> anyway. So. Yeah, no, seriously. It, well, except for crypto, which fucking is just light speed. Well, yeah, that just that just tells me 24-hour markets are so necessary. Like 24-hour markets are going to be so obvious, mm-hmm. uh, I think as things start to move in that direction, you know, everybody's just going to get used to it and it's not going to be a thing anymore. It'll be weird. They'll be like, yeah, can you believe they used to, you know, trade only certain hours a day? And I would be like, Oh wow. Yeah. So fucking stupid is that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, theoretically there's 24 hour markets, you have futures markets, but just not the same. It's right. It's not the same. And also then futures are closed, you know, Friday evening, 5 p.m. to depending on which feature market it is to usually about 6 or 5 p.m. on Sunday and that's Eastern Standard Time I'm speaking of so it's you know you have 48 hours off but like I can think of multiple times when Bitcoin was pumping recently where it was just doing it on like a Saturday night <laughs> dude I vividly remember one Saturday night it was doing it and I was like wow I like went out like to meet up my buddy I'm like I'm going home <laughs> I was like I gotta go home I was like I can't I can't I can't be out right now dude I mean, uh, Arthur Hayes, the CEO of BitMEX, um, tweeted multiple times that, you know, people who are just getting started trading CME futures for Bitcoin are getting wrecked on open because they're just getting completely obliterated over the weekend when the market's still trading. And then, you know, at the open, poof. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, oh yeah, the CME thing. I'm just gonna pull it up right now. That's because it's really funny. <laughs> the ch- the chart's like hysterical. Oh, it's the funniest chart ever, dude. I couldn't, Im- I I would never touch CME Bitcoin futures just because of this. Let's see BTC. I think I might even have it. Like... I gotta find it. I have to. I know I have it somewhere. It's it's the funniest chart in the world. Every time it happens, it's just such. You can a big you gap. can look at like GBTC. Yeah, that's G, I mean that'll be like. There it is. You know, I found it. Sim- I found it. Sorry, I had to find the actual. <laughs> yeah, it's so gappy. If you're not, um, you know, for those listening to this, there's just a ton of gaps in between the candles over the weekends, and you know, it's. Difficult to look at, honestly. Yeah, like, like if you went into the weekend short into May, yeah April first, <laughs> yeah, or like, well, like May tenth right here or whatever it is, and then Sunday it opens up, so it closes at sixty three hundred, and Sunday it opens up at seven thousand seventy one hundred. So you're direct, whereas you know, um, and you know, it happened numerous times every weekend, just kept gapping up, and then we had that final one where we went from. It closed on a fucking, I think, it, I don't know why it's a two-day here. Oh, because there was a holiday. That makes sense. Um, anyways, it closed, and we you know closed at 11,400, 11, and it opened at 11,900, and then shot up to 14K. Base. Oh, it shot to 14K on whatever, on CME Futures. And now the charts, it was like at 13. I touched 14, which is pretty cool. I don't know. Pretty yeah, interesting. Sure. And we're still above 10K. It's still like... It's a five-digit number now. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good, just to reiterate the whole, you know, stacking responsibly. Like, now you're dealing with $10,000 Bitcoin, and uh, that kind of sucks if you were yeah, waiting for that. If, you know, how many people were waiting for 2800 Like, when we're at, you know, we're at 32, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, as soon as we hit twenty-eight, I'm going all in. I'm like, yeah, well, it, you know, never came, and you've been waiting for that pullback, and now it, it's here, but you never know, right? And, you know, is this, do we go parabolic right after this? Does it, do you go sideways for a year, six months, three months? You know, you, you don't know. And that's, that's why it sucks. Yeah. It, it's just one of those things where like, 
like we had those little pumps in February and it, it seemed like big pumps in February when we went up like two hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. in a day. It was like holy shit. <laughs> it was like that was a lot. Like it was like, you know, five percent right, right. or something, or eight percent in that case in that day. You know, like and then I just like okay. And then, then we had that, that April Fool's Day was really like, oh shit. Like we went up literally a thousand dollars. Right. We went right. from we basically went from four thousand to five thousand. It was like up you know, just jumped a whole level. But I mean, if you look at the chart and I know people listening can't see it, it just kind of like fall. The way it went down was kind of the same way it went up. It, you know, once we got above that 4,000 level, like clear, like clear shot that 4,000, that 4,000 level held us back for quite a while. And then yes. bam, you know, it was off the races from there. Um, it's just typical market psychology, like 101. Like that level was broken and it was, it was bye-bye, right? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I think, you know, these past couple weeks, we've got some interesting mainstream news that I wasn't expecting, and now I hope that the next set of news for mainstream is uh, is price-related. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, um, it's, I think it's only inevitable. Like, it's, something's gonna, you know, it's gonna keep, because the U.S. equities are going higher, so there's obviously more liquidity flowing system, I think there were what what was it? Tether accidentally printed five billion, wasn't it? Or something stupid like that instead of yeah. fifty million. <laughs> Welcome to crypto. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much covers it this week. Um, you know, let's see what next week brings us, and we will. Uh, I don't. I can't even imagine. Actually, every Monday I get pumped. For like the next week to start and yeah, no. see see where that takes us. But uh, you know, thanks for listening to the Beef and Bitcoin podcast. Um, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, please.